What's going on, everybody? It's Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Career Sports. Today, we're here to recap draft weekend. Uh, this is a really fun draft for me to watch as a Jaguars fan. My team had 12 picks. We're going to talk a little bit about them. We're going to talk about other teams as well. And we've got a couple uh, couple announcements and various things to get us started as well that are going to be a little bit different. But hope you, hopefully you guys enjoy. Now let me introduce you guys to the rest of the crew. What's up, y'all? This is Eric. Glad to be back. It's been a little bit, so uh, I'm going to talk about these draft teams, draft picks. Let's go. What's up, guys? It's Nate here. I'm excited to talk about uh, some of like, the surprises and um, definitely some interesting moments from the past weekend, so I'm ready to talk about some real sports here. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm Connor. My team didn't have very many draft picks, so it wasn't terribly exciting for me, but I still enjoyed it nonetheless, and I'm very happy for the two App State players that got drafted this year, considering there were zero last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so I said in the, the little prelude there that we have some things to talk about first before we start into the draft, so I hope you guys enjoy that. And I want to start it off with Eric here. Um, Eric, tell everybody what you've been up to uh, as far as podcasting goes. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to announce on here that I have started my own finance podcast. I call it Baller on a Budget. I thought that was a pretty catchy name when I came up with it. <laughs> it just <laughs> kind of popped in my head and I started it. But, but yeah, I'm hoping this will get me one step closer to getting going on the book but i did drop my first episode about the stimulus checks and it is available on itunes and spotify now i didn't record any more episodes yet because i was waiting for it to be available on those platforms where i knew people could really find it but but yeah so if you look on there you can find it i'm also on twitter at baller budget pod that's my twitter handle for the podcast and Hopefully, once work calms down a little bit here, I'll be able to start dropping some more episodes soon. So if you're interested in, yeah, I think everybody, I mean, obviously everybody needs money. So if you're, you know, if you're interested (laughs) in learning more about it and how to, you know, how to save it or how to budget or how to, you know, reduce debt or how to invest in the stock market, like I want to be talking about all kinds of topics like that in the future. So, so definitely check it out. Zach, thanks for letting me plug that. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, you know what you got to do to be a real baller on a budget, though, is you got to go to the dunk to the Dunkin' Donuts drive-through and pay with a hundred-dollar bill, and the workers there will call you a baller for sure. <laughs> not, not speaking from experience, not not personal experience. I, I had a I'm friend. like, I'm like, clearly Zach has tested this at some point. <laughs> if there's, uh, if there's yeah. one thing that I just really do not like about uh, the city I live in is that we do not have a Dunkin' Donuts or a Krispy Kreme Donuts here. So oh, that's uh, lame. I, I sadly cannot do that. But uh, <laughs> if I'm ever out of town, maybe I'll try that. <laughs> you gotta make that like two and a, you gotta make that two and a half three hour drive to San Antonio to you know yeah, go find just, that just to that's pay crazy, for the hundred dollar bill at a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, yeah, I'm I listened to Eric's first episode. I thought it was really good as well. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what he has in store for the future of that podcast. And hey, maybe maybe I'll join as a guest one 
one time or two. I've yeah, got Zach, experience podcasting. Zach was the one actually who got me into the stock market. So, you know, whenever a stock market episode's going to come around, I might not be solo in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so also we have another big announcement uh, too. So Connor, you celebrated your birthday this past week. So as tradition, Ooh, 22. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As tradition, we do a birthday episode every time one of our co-hosts has a has a birthday. So yours is coming now, and you've decided to talk about video games for your birthday episode. Yes. All right. So we are continuing kind of the theme of top ten here, and Connor's made a list. I'll let him take it away. Yeah. So I was trying to come up with ideas for my birthday episode and in my head, I was originally going to do a giveaway kind of like Eric and, you know, Eric did for his birthday episode. But after seeing how that didn't exactly get the support we wanted, I was like, okay, maybe I'll come up with something else. But before I talk about it, getting to giveaways, I do want to give a big shout out to the regulators podcast. Um, They did a giveaway recently giving away an NFL Jersey and I was actually the winner of that giveaway. So uh, I want to thank them. Obviously, I haven't gotten it yet, but just thank them in advance and give them a shout out. I listen to their they have a new podcast episode on the NFL draft out on Spotify right now. I don't know if they're on any other platforms. I didn't see any on their Twitter handle, but definitely on Spotify, the regulars podcast. So uh, go and check that out. Some pretty, pretty good content there. And thanks again for the jersey because <laughs> I needed a new one. I haven't bought a jersey in forever. So um, that was a good birthday present. <laughs> But so since I didn't want to do a giveaway, I was like, well, OK, I guess I'll, you know, go to my other passion. I, you know, I've got kind of three passions. I got sports. I've got politics, which I feel like that's probably not a good topic to, you know, talk about on a supposed to be a lighthearted birthday episode, maybe on a more serious <laughs> tone. But for a lighthearted birthday episode, I figured that'd probably be pretty boring and pretty, especially with what's going on right now. So I figured I'd switch it to my other passion, which is video games. And um, I'm going to get to my top 10 video games of all time i've played hundreds and hundreds of them across many different consoles and uh, i did decide to go one rule I, do, I went one per franchise because otherwise there's a couple games on here where maybe more than one of the series would have been on here if i didn't go one per franchise so i decided i'd go take the best from each franchise <clears throat> so start at the bottom batman arkham city the entire arkham series is just fantastic um except for arkham origins it's kind of uh rocksteady handed over the reins to wb games to make that and they didn't exactly do a great job but um i was trying to decide between arkham city and arkham knight for this one but i decided to go arkham city arkham knight was a bit tedious with the whole batmobile thing going around they kind of just made that too much of a central figure in the game whereas arkham city was all just batman so, side so uh, and they it was the first time that they introduced the open world feature to the Batman Arkham games because Arkham Asylum you were kind of just in a it was a semi open world but you were it was very very small so Arkham City really opened up the possibilities. If I do have to say one negative about this game is that obviously everybody's most least favorite thing about the Arkham games is finding Riddler trophies and this one by far had the most of any of the four Arkham games. I think it had not including just the trophies, but like riddles and skill challenges and Catwoman trophies for the DLC. There was probably like 500 of them in this game that you had to go and find. 
So that, ate, <laughs> so that ate up a lot of time, but I persevered and did it, and I swear I'm never, ever going to do that again because it just took way too long. So Batman Arkham City at number 10. Number 9, you're also going to see, if there's one company that you're going to see a theme of on this list, it's Rockstar. Rocksteady obviously makes the Batman games, but Rockstar. So first off, I have L.A. Noir which this game was a big surprise for me in terms of how much I liked it. I didn't think I was going to like it. It's kind of like a, you know, 1940s detective game. And I'm thinking, okay, I mean, I kind of like, I like doing that, but I'm not sure if I'm going to like the whole 1940s thing, you know, kind of old school. I'm not generally into old school stuff, but it was surprisingly really fun. Um, The open world, there wasn't, it wasn't exactly like how GTA is where there was a whole lot to do in the open world. Cause in GTA, you can just go wild in the open world. There's a million different things you can do, but um, so they restricted you on that quite a bit, but it was still fun. Just, you know, trying to use your brain to figure out what's going on. It's, you know, an open world slash puzzle game. And there's, it was really difficult actually it's one thing i liked about it, is that it wasn't easy to go through and get you know five stars in every case to get every interrogation question right you know trying to figure out obviously when you're trying to interrogate some people seeing if they're lying or telling the truth it's easy they're all like you know stuttering and like looking around if they're lying but some people are really good liars and you have to really rely on the evidence and figure it out and, you know you can't just make an impulse decision so i thought that one was really well done so then number eight, I've got an uh, interesting fact about L.A. Noir too. I'm going to say this with uh, a later game, but I actually have two copies of it, one for the 360 and one, I have the remastered version. So I've beaten it a couple times. But then going to number eight, I got Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, this game improved in every aspect on the first game. The first game was great in its own right, but this just made it even better. The graphics were unbelievable. The open world was much bigger. I will say if there's one downside about the Red Dead Redemption open world compared to like L.A. Noir, Grand Theft Auto is trying to get across a large map on horseback. It takes quite a bit of time rather than just driving <laughs> everywhere. So that's a little bit tedious, but thankfully there is some sort of fast travel mechanic in the game where you, you kind of have to pay money for it. But once you get towards the later stages of the game, you have plenty of money. So that doesn't really, um, it doesn't really impact you. I also like how at the end with the endings, you can, you kind of get a choice of endings based on if like you play the game as a good guy or a bad guy. I always try to be good in games. <laughs> you know, you, I've never, it's so funny. I always tell myself sometimes I play, I was like, this is time I'm going to be the bad guy. I'm going to be the bad guy. Like I'm going to do all the, you know, mean things like, you know, killing people, killing unarmed prisoners and stuff. But uh, then I get to it. I'm like, no, I, I gotta be the good guy. I can't do that. That's too rude. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I, funny fact about that Red Dead Redemption 2 is I still have not yet finished it 100%. Like, I've gotten through the story and everything, but to 100% everything is, um, quite difficult. And I will say the most frustrating challenge in Red Dead Redemption 2 is a gambling challenge where you have to win three hands of blackjack where you take three or more hits. Now, if anybody knows anything about blackjack, taking three or more hits is just bad strategy in blackjack period. Um, <laughs> That's um, statistically um, going to be really hard to finish. <laughs> yeah. So like, unless your, your hand is like a three and a two, you know, and even then the chances, like the chances that you're going to flip two face cards right away is super high. So 
like you have to get really really lucky and especially if you have a hand of like 17 to start with there's no way you're going to make that possible so that one challenge needs to be removed from any future use in any game ever <laughs> because that yeah. took took way too long so then number seven going a little bit back in the day to the gamecube days i have super smash brothers melee um I've enjoyed a lot of the Super Smash Brothers games, but I definitely enjoy the... I might be in the minority here, but I definitely enjoy the older ones better than the newer ones. Um, I think if you're going to get together with your friends and play, the original for the N64 is still the best, but Melee was kind of an all-around package, and it really expanded on everything, and it was a lot more open to single-player mode, so um, and a lot more collectibles and everything in Melee, so... And, you know, it's my childhood, so I got to go with that. <laughs> um, then number six, I got Far Cry 5. Um, I was actually have to thank my roommate in college for getting me into Far Cry because I had never played a single Far Cry game. And I saw him playing Far Cry 4, and I was like, oh, that looks pretty cool. So I went and got Far Cry 4, and now I own, like, 2, 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> so, But 5 was by far the best. I, there's one downside about far cry 5 is the ending sucks um it like it is not a satisfying ending at all but thankfully uh far cry new dawn kind of like brings everything full circle and clears it up so i'm glad they fixed that because there was a lot of people including myself that were really upset with the ending of far cry 5 after all the work you put in then number five this is really old school really my childhood going with crash bandicoot warped i had um two games during my childhood there was warped and there was tekken 3 and that were like my favorite games as a kid and i went with warped because i feel like this game is aged a lot better than tekken 3 has like this game is still i mean it just got a couple of years ago they remade the first three crash games so another really challenging game all the crash games are but this was i spent hours as a kid like replaying this game and trying to perfect it and um, little piece of my childhood that, you know, and I was super excited. I was initially really disappointed when the remaster came out because I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. It was only for PlayStation because um, it's made by Sony Entertainment. So it was originally a PlayStation exclusive, but thankfully I have a PlayStation now. But before then, the video game god shined upon me and they made a version for the Xbox. So I was able to go and get that. Then at number four, I've got... Mortal Kombat, the 2011 version. If I had to pick a game franchise that I probably have the most games for besides Madden, it would be Mortal Kombat. I've got pretty well every single Mortal Kombat game that's not a spinoff. And this game, it the reason why it's so good is because the Mortal Kombat games after the original three for the arcade were trying to go the 3D route where you you know you can run around the entire stage. This game brought it back to 2D fighting game, classic fighting game. It brought back all the old characters, and it introduced the new form of story mode to Mortal Kombat. It was really interesting, and you know, you kind of how you like went back in time because the world was just in disarray and like everybody was dead. But then you go, you know, Raiden right before he dies sends a vision to his past self, and you're trying to correct the future. But then, you know, Raiden's actions just make things go even worse and it's it's really interesting then at number three so everybody looking at star wars battlefront 2 and thinking why star wars battlefront 2 that game sucked like there's so many microtransactions well this is the original star wars battlefront 2 not the crappy ea 
you know, EA trying to remake this franchise. This was the original Star Wars Battlefront 2 for the PlayStation 2 and original Xbox. And still stands up as probably, in my opinion, the best Star Wars game ever made. I mean, I've another game I've just put countless hours into just playing in the single player mode. And, you know, you can this was the game that introduced playing as Jedi's and the starship battles and anything that any Star Wars fan could possibly want. I'm probably one of the biggest Star Wars fans there is. So having a game, a complete package like that is fantastic. So if you're going to buy Star Wars Battlefront 2, make sure you buy the original one not the new one, because otherwise you're going to be paying EA some hefty cash for those microtransactions. <laughs> then number two, we've got Gears of War 3. I got into the Gears of War franchise because my dad, um, kind of in, I think it was between 2009 and 2013, he actually worked for Epic Games, so I was able to get free copies of the Gears of War franchise. This is also the reason why it took me so long to convert from Xbox to PlayStation, because Gears of War is an Xbox exclusive. So, And this is one of the main games where I went, you know, made my one per franchise rule, because I probably would have put Gears of War 2 on here as well if I didn't go one per franchise. But I was like, OK, I'll just put one. So I put Gears of War 3. It's a slightly better game. And... I mean, the campaign mode is just fantastic. I mean, online's fun too, but the campaign mode is, it takes you through such a range of emotions and perfect storytelling. And, you know, is also nothing more fun than slicing monsters in half with a chainsaw gun. So that's also a good time. And then finally, number one, one of the best-selling games of all time, I mean, I don't know if it still holds the record for most sales on opening day, but it did at one time. Grand Theft Auto V. Um, strangely, I've not played much of the online in this game. I kind of got online a lot like later. I didn't get the game until like 2015, the first time. So it, you know, everybody had already been online and gotten all their stuff and was way ahead of me. So I didn't really spend much time in the online, but just the story mode, the open world and you know, and I can go back. I've long, you know, 100%ed the story mode in this game. I've actually 100%ed the game four times across two consoles. But even though I've done that, you can still go back after having completed everything and just drive around in the single-player mode and, you know, blow stuff up and have fun. I mean, literally no missions, no actual, you know, story mode gameplay to take place and you can still have fun you can you know just playing golf at the los santos golf club or going around in you know high speed chases with cops and stuff like that just endless amounts of possibilities that you can do in Grand Theft auto 5 so that's why it's my number one and i wish rockstar would hurry up and get grand theft auto 6 out here but <laughs> um but yeah that's gonna be my top 10 video games that's pretty cool, man. Uh, I think you gave a good description of all these games. I've played several of them as well. They're they're all fun. Um, so now that Connor said his list, we all didn't make a top ten list or anything, but he suggested that we go ahead and uh, share some some uh, fun memories and stories of us playing video games. So Eric's got one in particular. I'll let him start with <laughs> that. Three of us are a part of. So the three cousins here. I'll let Eric set the mood for that one. Uh, He's got a different perspective than me when it comes to that game, but uh, <laughs> I'll let him I tell say, from I, his I don't, side. I don't know if I would call this a favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one time back at a family gathering, we were all uh, hanging out, and 
uh, I believe it was on it was on our Uncle Mike's Xbox. I guess is what we were playing on. Or did you bring your mm-hmm. Xbox, Connor? I don't remember, but no, it was it was it was Uncle Mike's. Yeah, so Uncle Mike had some old games on the Xbox, and we started playing Madden, and so Madden 06. <laughs> Madden 06, yeah. So I was going against Zach and Connor, like they were uh, playing on the same team, and uh, kind of a close game, you know. But at the end, I got a touchdown, and the time was expired and all, but I had to kick the extra point still in order for the game to like officially be over. And Zach and Connor would, every time I would try to kick the extra point, jump off sides and keep like running into my like <laughs> holder or running into the snapper or like, or something so that I or running into alignment or running into somebody so that I couldn't do the extra point. <laughs> And I mean, this probably went on for like, oh my god! I don't. It probably took me at least twenty to thirty times to successfully <laughs> kick the extra point. And I think what I had to do was I had to like tell them their like one of their moms needed them to get ready for dinner or something, and they got they like looked away and were like, "Huh?" And I like grabbed the control the their <laughs> controller and then tagged the ball really fast. Because <laughs> 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 Zach and Connor were like. <laughs> pretty young when this happened uh they were probably like <laughs> seven or eight or somewhere in that range so like luckily i was able to get them pretty easy with a gullible trick you know that wouldn't work now obviously but <laughs> thankfully due to their young age they were susceptible and i got them but <laughs> yeah we were uh we, we we were not happy about that because you had scored like right at the last second and like you know tied the game like we were we were gonna win if we had stopped you on that yeah. play and we had like never beaten you before <laughs> yeah they, they yeah, were so we determined were, uh... to get me and <laughs> i ruined their moment but yeah and then another moment i have like just with these guys too is like in recent more recently in uh 2k20 we would run the neighborhood with our you know, white guys that actually look like us, you know, running around. And <laughs> I remember this one time, like probably my personal favorite, um, Zach and Connor would probably agree with this in terms of favorite moments between the three of us in this game. But we were, we had all not really had the game for that long. And so our guy, our players were like 80 overalls, like 78 to 82, like somewhere in that range. And we went on this 3v3 court and won like six games in a row and most of the games we played were against people that were like low 90s overalls and yet we were still beating them and most of them we beat pretty easily so it was a pretty cool feeling you know dominating these people uh (laughs) you know that were higher overall they probably thought they were going to like cakewalk us and we ended up destroying them so i enjoyed that and then i got to shout out my friends the harrisons because back in the day too on like modern warfare 2 on the ps3 like we just used to go into lobbies and they were a lot better at it than i was like if you know it by now i I might rant a lot about stuff but like i'm not a very good trash talker like i just i don't know i get more timid zach's a lot better at that yeah yeah some of my chat messages i've sent to some people i can repeat on there (laughs) but so like i would you know like i wouldn't talk too much i mean like my friends at harrison's like they just didn't care and like they would just say whatever and like our friend michael that would play with us too like i mean they would just like talk so much smack to these people and 
and then uh you know we didn't always win but a lot of times we would you know and we just had a great time with that so i enjoyed the gaming especially when i get to play like with these guys or my friends like i enjoy that the most with gaming but yeah i'll let you so i'll let you guys uh share your stories yeah and so uh nate you can share some of your top moments now as well all right so the one that came the like first came to mind when you asked me to do is actually um zach's part of the story it was a couple of summers ago we were playing 2k um lewis six yeah, 16 is the one that I have. Um, the last yeah. one I got for my my uh, 360. And we were playing it was like Rocket. I had the Rockets, and you had somebody else who I don't remember who it was. It's someone like really good. Yeah. And basically, we just kept hitting like every single shot, and like we thought we were like so good at 2K. All of a sudden, we were just like <laughs> splashing threes from like 10 feet behind the line, like all this crazy stuff. And we had like five minute quarters, so we could, you know, or it might even been less than that. It might have been like four minute quarters, so we could just play, you know, a bunch more games. And it was like it went into overtime, like eighty to, um, yeah, eighty to eighty or something like that. It was it was it was crazy. It went to like six overtimes, and in the middle of like sixth overtime, it looked, and we had the somehow we had turned the sliders up all the way on shooting, so we literally didn't miss a shot like the entire game, pretty much. Like I had James Harden, he had like sixty five points on like. 40 of 41 <laughs> shooting or something like that. yeah it was crazy <laughs> i like, remember that man. <laughs> yeah and then we like checked and then we just realized the stars were up we started like testing stuff we did like half court shots like all this craziness and i think one of us is a man who just like let the game end like we missed a shot on purpose like we tried a full court or something like that and that was the difference but that was probably the funniest <laughs> yeah i know i remember <laughs> At, at first, it was like we, you, like you said, at first we thought we were so good. We were like, "Dang, we were, we're on fire here." Yeah. And then, um, then it got to the point where I was like, "There's something up with this." And then we found out the sliders and everything. And it got to the point too, even before we found out the sliders, where uh, me especially, I was doing this more often than Nate, but I would uh, settle for some two point shots, and I would, and I'd be, and it got to the point where that was a bad thing. Like if you didn't yeah. make a three, you lost out because ever because Nate was shooting all threes, and then I started shooting all threes eventually. And like sometimes it was good to like intentionally foul to get two free throws, you know, instead of having <laughs> a three pointer. <laughs> so it was a that was a crazy game, Nate. I definitely remember mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. So that was that's kind of my story of my, that's one of my stories. Uh, I mean. Connor shared one that I was a part of, and then Nate shared one that I was a part of too. So I'll I'll share one, I guess, with Eric. I mean, with play, with gaming with Eric's always fun because me and him are about as even as it gets with like Madden and 2K. I remember when I first started out, Eric was definitely better than me. Like he definitely won a lot more than I would against him head to head. And then I remember that first time, like, I beat him, he was pretty shocked. And then, like, I went on a winning streak in Madden against him for a while. And then then it flip-flopped, and now it's, like, every other game one of us wins. And it always seems mm-hmm. to be with, like, the underdog, like, who you think is going to lose, wins. Um, in 2K and uh, Madden, it goes the same way. Like, we're just so competitively balanced, I, th- I think. And uh, I, I just really enjoy enjoy those games whenever my – Internet speed is up to par. That is, <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Steven and Julie, if you're listening to this, please upgrade your internet <laughs> so I can yeah. play back in games more. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I will say it's crazy how, like, you know, not just between Zach and Eric, but, like, you know, you guys were, since I finally got a PlayStation, you guys were beating me to start with, but I've, like, managed to get back into playing. And it's, like, I remember, especially Zach and I, when in Madden, because, unfortunately, when we were playing Madden, Eric and I didn't get to play too often because when our franchise, we were in different conferences. But Zach and I were in the same conference because he had the Seahawks and I had the Panthers. And, like, between that and the mutt, like you know, draft. Oh you yeah. And I, you and I were like, you know, a eight and eight or something like, like eight and eight or nine and nine. We were literally split half and half on yeah, our games. And then, I mean, like, and I'm, and even in two K, like you guys used to destroy me in two K, but I'm like slowly getting better at that. <laughs> I can, oh like, yeah, I, I can actually even in. We went even in the two K in our our newest two K series as well in the regular season. I know it's it's crazy how, <laughs> like you said, how even we all are. There's not like one of us that just like dominates anymore. Because like when we were kids, how you were saying that we could never beat Eric at anything, and we like, we got so mad in that one game when we didn't beat him. But <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, 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 y'all say, got pretty triggered that night. <laughs> <laughs> one, I will say one last thing before we move on to the uh, draft recap. You know, an old. This is Zach will remember this definitely an old 2K NBA 2K11 memory. You know, Zach, you don't think about Karan Butler chewing on those plastic straws, but <laughs> you sure don't. You sure don't. That was uh, that was one of the commentators' lines in that game, and that was just. But I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, I was like, what? Did he really say that? And it happened again because we had him on our team, so we we heard that every other game or so. It was that was weird. I looked it up, and it, it's a real thing. I mean. I would hate to be Cron Butler and them just making a story up like that about you in 2K, but <laughs> it's a real thing. He had an addiction to uh to chewing uh, the straws. I don't know how you get to that point, but <laughs> <laughs> if you can see me, I'm shaking my head right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll move on. That'll that'll be where we end our talk on the video games. But pretty good segment there, led by Connor, of course, with his top 10 list, and of course, happy birthday, man. Uh, thank you yeah, hope you had a good one all right um, in quarantine <laughs> yeah best it, you couldn't do much probably but hopefully it was still fun uh you had the draft on as well so that yeah that was, yeah um so if you're looking at the screen clutch crew sports mock draft 2.0 was a epic fail uh, when it comes to <laughs> when it came to actually predicting the draft we got a couple things right like the panthers uh, picking Derek Brown at seven. That was the only one completely right. Joe Burrow at number one, we got right. But of course, the tr- we did a trade in ours with the Redskins and Bengals. And then later that on, everything up. <laughs> yeah, that, that really did screw everything up. And then later on, uh, there was a couple uh, little things that were close on here, but uh, Kenneth Murray did go at pick 23, just not to the Patriots. Um, so, and then none of these on this screen got right at all. <laughs> so, Cluster Sports <laughs> Mock Draft 2.0. We won't be hanging our hat on that one, but some of our personal mock drafts and mine in particular. I mean, everybody did pretty good, but uh, I had a fantastic personal mock draft, um, especially the top 10. And I looked, uh, I actually beat out Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah's 
mock drafts. I did better than both of them, so I feel pretty good about that. They're supposed to be experts at this. <laughs> Timestamp. I'll, 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 I'll give you some good credit on uh, beating Jeremiah, but I've always thought Mel Kuyper was over stupid and overrated anyway, so... Um. <laughs> <laughs> but I always hate I, I always hate listening to it. like you know I always watch the draft on ESPN usually because I don't usually get NFL Network and I hate having to hear his voice like every five minutes when they're talking about somebody yeah. and he'll like he will say the like I was telling them you know I don't know if I mentioned this in the mock draft 2.0 but I was talking to these guys about it how they'll be like oh so like Mel the you know the Chargers are up here what do you think they need to get and they'll be like oh well you know they should go like they should probably go for a running back or, you know, wide receiver would be good too. Or maybe they should go for like a defensive tackle. And then they go and draft like a safety. It's like, (laughs) you you clearly have no idea what you're talking about most of the time. (laughs) And also the way he talks about every single prospect, he gets the, since he talks about every prospect, he, he usually says the good things about him. It's very rare. He says, I don't like this guy. Um, So of course, by doing that, I mean, you get even just the first round, there's going to be at least half of these people that probably don't make a all-star team or uh, a pro bowl. I mean, and, uh, and end up not having a great career, not living up to their first round status. So the fact that he does that for every single person, it's like, yeah, you get some of them, right. Obviously, but you say good things about everybody. It's like, I don't know. I wish not everybody can, not everybody can be that good. (laughs) Yeah. Like if there's somebody that gets picked at number six and let's say they're supposed to be at number six, like, and if you really think they're going to be bad, take a, take a shot and say, you don't think they're going to be all that. But of course he's, he plays the nice guy and says, I love his, his uh, 40 time, or I love his, uh, his bench press at the combine. And at, at, at this game in his junior year, 400 (laughs) yards, like, yeah. I love Mitch Trubisky's decision making. <laughs> oh my God! I wonder what he said about him. When he got back. <laughs> that, that's something to go back on and listen to. But but yeah, I, I felt pretty good about beating them. And then right, this is where it gets all red here because the further you go in the draft, the more unknown it gets. Um, it sucks here at 13 and 14 that Kinlaw and Werfs were uh, switched because of the they did a trade Tampa and San Francisco, but. Uh, for me, anyways, I got the team and the player right, just not the positioning. Um, and then there's some green scattered across here with uh, Austin Jackson going to Miami and C.D. Lamb going to Dallas. And then after that, it was over. All but you know, yeah, all in all. But I mean, there a lot of these reds were one away or two away. Like I know if you do the NFL.com point system, it, um, it you get a lot more credit for that. Um. And so in total, I got nine spot on right. Eric got five. Connor got six, and Nate got four. So, um, but we'll focus on the real draft, not our mock draft. So uh, we'll start, I guess, with these top five picks, and then kind of we'll just go five at a time, guys, uh, to talk about. So Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Andrew Thomas, and two in the top five. Uh, for me, anyways, out of this this group. Um, when you look at the long-term success, and, and also before I talk about any of these guys, I do want to say one thing, too. I, I do have a rant planned later on, but this isn't part of the rant. Um, these people that give mock draft grades to all these teams are just complete clickbait. Don't take any stock into them at all because it doesn't matter what any expert thinks. It doesn't matter what uh, how, how much success these guys had or ha- didn't have in college. Um, 
all that matters is what they do for these teams once they start playing games. And you really aren't going to get a good idea of this draft until three years from now. Uh, that's, I think, a fair enough body of work to judge a draft. So, for example, we can now start judging the 2017 draft, in my opinion. But this 2020 draft is way, way too early to be putting grades on. Uh, it's fun It's fun to do. It, I, I'll give you that. But it's all just clickbait. Nobody really knows. But um, out of these five, the one I think that's going to be most interesting for me is definitely going to be Tua. I mean, will will the injury problems at Alabama continue with him to the pros with Miami? I know like way like maybe 30, 40 episodes back when we were talking about Alabama and the and uh, their season, I was a little bit down on Tua, but the more and more I've been thinking about it, the more and more I'm starting to like this Miami team as a whole. I, I think Tua is going to end up having a pretty solid career. I don't think he's going to be one of these tragic guys that gets – you know, out of the league in a couple of years because of injuries. I I just don't think it's it'll happen. I could obviously he's got the concerns there, but and then looking at I'll put number six in this group as well. I just I don't really see what everybody else sees in Justin Herbert. I mean he's got a strong arm. He's the prototype, but the more and more we see now, these prototype quarterbacks end up being a lot of bust. Um, you really want to have a mobile quarterback, a leader quarterback. He's been known. Herbert's been known to be like an introverted guy, not really a team leader. Uh, another knock on him is his accuracy. So I feel like San Diego or the LA Chargers kind of whiffed on that pick just because they had to get a quarterback. They thought he'd be the best one. I I don't think Herbert's going to be great long-term. I think Tua will be great. And I'm really high on Joe Burrows, the quarterback for Cincinnati now. I think he's going to be great too. The question is, are they going to be able to surround him with the right pieces in Cincinnati? That's a big question mark, but... I think he's going to make big improvements for the those three those two teams Miami and Cincinnati I think are going to really improve next season uh, because of their new quarterbacks. But what do you guys think about these these three quarterbacks here and or anything else with the top six? Uh, I guess we'll start I with mean, Eric if I have to... or Connor. I mean, okay. he started talking. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah go, a... go ahead, Connor. You're good. Okay. I mean, if I had to. I'm going to agree with Zach on Joe Burrow. I mean, I do think the I do think he's going to be good. Again, it just depends on the Cincinnati Bengals have nothing in terms of weapons around like proven weapons around him anymore. So, you know, it's just going to depend on if they can really get it. If Joe Mixon can finally break out of his shell and be the superstar back that everyone thinks he is. And, you know, obviously for Zach and I know that he was a big bust for us in fantasy this past year. So, um <laughs> It's just going to be, and obviously they play in a tough division. I mean, the Ravens are still going to be strong. The Steelers, if they can, with Roethlisberger coming back, are likely to be strong. The Browns are a bit of an iffy one, but, you know, the AFC North is still a tough division. It always has been, so it's going to be tough for them to work their way up in the ranks. I do agree also with Zach about Herbert, but I'm going to disagree on Tua, because I feel like the reason why I think Herbert's going to fail is not because he's that prototype quarterback, you know, that mold. I just, I'm with Zach that I don't think I see what everybody else sees in him. I don't think he's really up to snuff for like the NFL level for Tua though. I'm going to use his build as a reason why I don't think he's going to have long-term success. It seems to me that, you know, other than Russell Wilson, I've yet to see any quarterback with that sort of mobile 
playmaking style ability last any sort of length of time. I mean, you know, all the quarterbacks, obviously this is a bit old school, but all the quarterbacks that have lasted a long time are the prototype quarterbacks, or at least the pocket passers like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, you know, all those guys, they're not flashy athletic quarterbacks. They're, you know, their longevity is partly because of the fact that they don't do that sort of thing. So, and it seems to me also that every time they try and talk about the NFL is going to start shifting to this, you know, college style of play, like read option with athletic quarterbacks. It seems like it'll do that for a year or two, and then it'll go right back to what it was before. So that's my reason on why I don't think Tua, I'm going to say his last name correctly now, since I know how it actually is pronounced, Tongavailoa, uh, <laughs> and not not Tagovailoa, it's Tongavailoa, apparently. Um, so I don't think he's going to last. I don't think either Tua or Herbert is going to last. And last thing I'll say is there was, a, you know, like Zach was saying about how these, you know, grades are crap. Well, all these people that were knocking the Detroit Lions for taking Jeff Okuda, there was like, I saw so many, like, I just, I shouldn't say so many, but there were a few that were ranking this as like a C or a D pick for the Lions. I'm like, how can you justify Okuda being like a C or a D pick? Yeah. I mean, I know, I know some people were saying that they were upset that the Lions didn't trade back and still get him, but who's to say like the Giants wouldn't have taken him? With that, with that pick, if he was still there, I mean, obviously they needed offensive line, but Okuda was, you know, the by far and away like the second or third. I can't remember if he was ahead or behind Burrow in terms of like players, but he was far and ahead, like second or third, and, the, as and the also, best players in the draft. Who knows if they even got any trade callbacks, or what if like the Patriots way at twenty three tried to trade for them and they didn't want to go twenty spots, obviously, like. You never know what these what these teams were offering, or if they even got any offers. What if they were just stuck at three? Like, I can't fault yeah. a team for not doing a trade. Like, that seems that's really critical if you're going to be doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. So uh, yeah, but yeah. I'll let I'll let Eric talk now. Yeah. So Eric, what about these uh, top six picks here? Did did stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of the draft order itself, like. Nothing really stood out to me as a surprise. I mean, these picks pretty much went the way they were expected to go. Like, the only thing that I guess you could say wasn't expected was I figured, and what hurt me in my mock draft was I figured for sure either Miami or L.A. was going to trade up to number three to, like, make sure they got Tua, but I was a little shocked they didn't. I think if I was, like, Miami's GM, I would have wanted that insurance, but at the same time, good for them for not having to give up any picks and still getting who they wanted. But, um, yeah, I don't know how I feel. I mean, I'm definitely in agreement with you guys. Burrow, I believe, is going to be a star. I would be shocked if he doesn't. Herbert, I'm in the same boat. I think he got drafted way too early. I think that was definitely a reach by the Chargers. But Tua, it's tough to say. I I trust his ability, and I I'm, I guess I'm kind of in between on Zach and Connor here because I don't think Tua is necessarily <laughs> going to rely. Course. I don't. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's going to rely so much on his mobility and doing like read options and you know what I mean. I I don't think he's going to be like that. But at the same time, he does have a pretty lengthy injury history, though, and if 
that I guess I if he's going to be a bust, I fear it's going to be more so because of that and not because of his, you know, talent or anything. I think he's really good, but I that injury history is just a big red flag for me. If he didn't have that, I would be more I'd be more of an agreement with Zach. But it's it, he's a tough one to project, man. I you know, like Zach said, you but really I I can't fault really see, but, I, yeah, I can't ahead. fault Miami. Yeah, I can't fault Miami though for taking him though because. No, uh, I mean, you gotta try and get something. I mean, I think with Herbert, you kind of know what you're getting. It's a it's a low ceiling. With Tua, he could be a game changing quarterback for them. Um, yeah. I so mean, I don't fault. And, they, and have, they, they have Ryan. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like they have somebody already. <laughs> Josh <good>. Rosen. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I, I forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, that's all. That's all I have to. Yeah really say i guess i'll let nate get some thoughts in here yeah so nate what do you think about these uh these quarterbacks here yeah i mean i'm kind of in agreement with you guys i think what most interesting to me about like the top of the draft was that it really kind of went um as most people would have predicted like all the teams that you know we said needed a quarterback coming in um took one and even um you know the giants like some people didn't think thomas was gonna be the top tackle off the board. I, I thought he was, and I changed it in my second mock draft. But most people had someone like, you know, Werfs or Wills going number one. But still, the Giants took an alignment which we expected. You know, Okuda went to Detroit. And, I mean, I agree that I thought for sure Miami or um, the Chargers would trade either up or down, depending on, you know, we heard Tua might be falling down the draft. Um, I thought one of those teams would maybe trade down and wait to get him. Um, but yeah, what really surprised me the most was that, um, it went like, so like the first, like really 15 picks or so were pretty basic. I thought like there weren't any trades until the middle of the first round and, um, all of that. So, um, yeah, you guys kind of touched on the quarterbacks already, but yeah, this was what stood out to me. Yeah. So now we'll, uh, we'll hit some other positions too and, and group some more guys together. So we'll go. Go from Derek Brown at seven to uh, to seventeen with CD Lamb. So we'll go ten ten people here. So between these seven and seventeen, um, I got to talk about my Jags, obviously. So I'll, I'll talk about CJ Henderson a little bit. Um, a lot of people are bashing him on Twitter. A lot of Jags fans are like, ah, oh, hey, another Florida guy, another you know, another Florida first round pick, and another. Uh, corner like oh he we should have waited for him he didn't need to go this high and i mean i i see some of the points they're saying but at the same time does it really matter what school he went to like considering that you've had other florida guys be bust does that there's no correlation there it's it looks bad i mean from the naked eye but there's no reasoning because he went to florida he's going to be bad now like so many other florida first round picks have been um, but I, I like it. They really needed a cornerback. I mean, I think they drafted three in total. One of them is like a kick return specialist in the seventh round, but they really needed a corner and he was clearly the second best corner. Um, because we all know Okuda would be one. He was definitely number two. I mean, he went number nine for a reason there at number two. And then compared to the mock drafts and all the experts and everything after that, it was a free-for-all. I mean, there was nobody, none of us had Damon Arnett in one of our first-round drafts. And then 
uh, Terrell, AJ Terrell at number 16 in the Falcons. That was higher than I think any of our mock drafts had him. Um, and there were some other corners that went later too that we didn't have or had way later. So after the number two corner went, it was just a total free for all and it was all over the place with corners. So I feel good about that. I, I do like Henderson. Another knock on him is his, his tackling, but I feel like they said his coverage is great. So hopefully he doesn't even need to tackle if he's going to be such a great coverage guy. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) obviously, obviously things will happen, but I I think it'll be, I think that's something that he can, he can get taught better. Um, And like his coverage is good. Athleticism was good. If anyone knows uh, Todd Grantham, the defensive coordinator for Florida, who's been around college football a long time and and professional football as well. He said C.J. Henderson was the best corner that he's ever coached. And he's been a part of a lot of good Florida defenses as well. So that was a pretty – when I saw that statement, I was like, that turned my head. I was like, okay, I'm sold on this guy now that he said he's the best corner college or pro that he's coached. Um, I would have liked Wills. I've always said Wills I thought was the best tackle. He went number 10 to Cleveland, which I think is a great spot for him. Uh, Cleveland did the smart thing here. They took an offensive lineman. This is For this once. is really big. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is this is Baker Mayfield's prove it year. And I'm gonna go with to Makai Becton too. They're both the both the Jets with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield with Cleveland. The two of those quarterbacks, it's their ultimate prove it year. You can't complain about a left tackle anymore. Cleveland even got a right tackle. They Cleveland really improved their team quite a bit. Uh, so. This year, if, if Mayfield has another year like next year, it's going to be over for him, I think. And same thing with Sam Darnold. Even though Sam Darnold's never even had a good season, uh, some Jets fans would make you think he's in the Hall of Fame, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> all, the, all the Jets fans, man, they are sold on him for some reason. Yeah. I don't know what he's done to prove that to them, but I don't the Jets know what fans the, just love him. Eric, you know this, too. I know you're probably shaking oh, your the, head right the now. The stuff on Twitter that we saw, that just... That just blew my mind, man. Yeah, that, yeah. what Zach's talking about is there was a, I guess the Jets, I don't remember if it was the Jets themselves or a Jets fan or somebody made this thing and it was like, if the Jets were to have the number one overall pick, who would you take? And like only one person out of like 200 comments on it said Joe Burrow. <laughs> and I'm like, Sam Darnold to me is just not that good. I, from the little bit, you know, the bits that I've seen of him. And I remember, I don't watch a ton of college football, but I remember the year, his last year in college before he came in the draft, I actually did see a couple of USC games and they're like, this guy's the next best thing in the NFL. And, but I remember watching a couple of his games, especially like against better competition. And I wasn't really that impressed with him even back then. And I'm like, really? Like, am am I seeing something different here? Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) If I was, I mean, if I was a Jets fan and we'd had the number one pick, I and if the Jets wouldn't have taken Burrow, I would have been revolting. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I'm switching so, to the Giants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm jumping to the other side. Yeah, their, their front office isn't much better though. <laughs> I'll let you get back to your thoughts, Zach. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean that's that. that's I mean that's where pretty much all ended. I mean the rest of the picks kind of were similar to what I thought. Uh, Ruggs being the first receiver did surprise me a little bit. I'm not sure about how that's going to end up being, but Judy, the Broncos, that's smart. I think CD going to 17 
I think the Cowboys didn't have uh, the need at wide receiver like other teams do, but with uh, with where he was on their boards, best available, I can never fault a team going best available. So CD was probably the best available at that spot. I don't have a problem with that. Terrell here the, to the Falcons as a corner seems like a bit of a reach. He got absolutely torched in the national championship game. He's having a good season up to that, but those LSU receivers torched him so badly to the point where he was put on their third best receiver, um, which is pretty crazy to see a number one corner be switched to the team's third receiver. Uh, so I'm not sure about that one. Out of all these, that's the one that I think is kind of the the most strange. Worfs, he gets a lot of hype and everything, but I'm still going to stick by the fact that I don't think he's going to end up being the best tackle in this draft or the second or third. Um, but Tampa's going to need him next year, that's for sure. But yeah, pretty standard, like you said, uh, draft all in all. Uh, but Connor, I'll let you address uh, some of the things maybe I didn't from 7 to 17. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, with the, at least for the, I'll start with the Panthers here. I know a lot of people have been talking about, like, you know, winners of the draft and, um, you know, it's starting the Panthers regularly come up as one of the winners of the draft with their picks. And I mean, Derek Brown was obviously a great start. I did make the stupid decision beforehand of switching my mock draft and putting Simmons to the Panthers because I, I thought he'd still be on the, which he was still on the board, but I should have honestly thought that the Panthers would still go with Derek Brown. Cause Simmons is more of an outside linebacker and, you know, if you're going to replace Luke Keekley entirely, you need an inside linebacker and Simmons doesn't quite fit that role. So just getting like, you know, the big nose tackle is the best thing for them. So but great start for the Panthers and an overall great draft for the Panthers. Um, I know the thing about Isaiah Simmons going to the Cardinals is that obviously he's a great prospect, but I'm not sure how he's really going to do in Arizona. I mean, it seems like there are other teams out there that he would be a better fit on, but he got drafted by Arizona because he was the, you know, he fell to them and he was the best available player. So I'm not sure if Arizona is going to be the right fit for him. Unfortunately, you know, he, I think he would have fit better on a team like the giants or the Browns where he was, you know, regularly mocked as going to. Um, And then, like you said, Henry Ruggs going first, that was I know none of us predicted this, and really we should be used to this by this point, that the Raiders are not going to do what we all think they're going to (laughs) do. So, you know, that was, you know, we were talking about how that was what really started, like, changing everything in the draft, actually, is that, you know, we were all talking about, like, man, this draft is going so standard like there's been nothing surprising and then all of a sudden we get to the Raiders and Zach like messages uh like Eric and I and he's like if I had a drink I'd be spitting it out right now <laughs> with the fact that Ruggs was the first receiver taken <laughs> yeah um, I mean I think that's a tremendous steal for the Broncos I mean I you know they were thinking that they were probably gonna you know and also the fact that Lamb fell to the Cowboys there was a lot of mocks that had Lamb and Judy going before the Broncos and they were thinking oh we're gonna get stuck with Ruggs but you know, because of the Raiders and what they did and the fact that the Jets took Becton instead of a wide receiver, the I think the Broncos got a really good steal with Jerry Judy at number 15. I mean, and then I kind of, I didn't really understand the trade between the Buccaneers and the 49ers right there. I mean, I guess I could have seen that maybe the 49ers would have taken Werfs, but 
I mean, there wasn't really anybody else in the draft that I would think, because I know that a lot of times when you trade, even if it's one position, you're worried that someone else would trade up right there. But I don't think anybody else would have, because, I mean, the Dolphins were obviously perfectly content with taking Austin Jackson at number 18. You know, they were okay with that. And, you know, some of the other teams that were down there, it's like they'd either already taken an offensive lineman like the only team at that point that probably would have maybe traded up would have been the Jaguars, but I don't see why they would would have traded that far up to get worse. So I don't really understand the trade. I mean, they gave up a fourth rounder for it. So, I mean, they really did need that, but I'm going to call that a little, a bit of an L just to start with. I mean, who knows? Maybe worse could turn out to be great. And that was a really smart decision and whatever, but I'm going to call that a little bit of an L for the Buccaneers there. And then lastly, I'll just say again with like you said with AJ Terrell, I think the Falcons made a mistake taking him. Like they need secondary help, but I mean they could have taken even taking Xavier McKinney probably would have been a better pick than AJ Terrell right there. Or if they weren't gonna go secondary, they weren't ready to take McKinney, then they could have taken Clavon Chason. Chason. You know, mm-hmm. they need some edge rushing help. They don't generate very many sacks, so I thought, you know, I put it in my mock that they would have, were going to take Chase on. I think they should have done that. So definitely a head scratcher, in my opinion, right there. Yeah. All right, Eric, what do you, what are some other thoughts maybe that we haven't said already about 7-17? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys have pretty well covered it. But I, I guess my only thing I could maybe think of with, like, what Connor was talking about with the Bucks making that trade, the only thing I can think of that might have happened was – when the Jets took Mackay Becton, the Buccaneers might have gone into a little bit more of a panic mode because at that point, then Worse was the only out of the, like the top four projected offensive tackles, he was the only one left. And because a lot of people had the Jets like in their mocks, like taking a receiver, like taking Judy or CD Lamb instead. So maybe when they took him, when they when the Jets took Becton the Bucks were like, oh, dang, we've still got two more people in front of us, and you know, we really want to make sure we get one of these tackles, and maybe that's what caused them to do the trade, but I'm not sure. But I didn't realize they gave up a fourth rounder. That might be a bit steep to move up one spot, especially since you're not doing it for a quarterback. But if worse ends up being good, then obviously it'll be worth it. And I will say with the Cowboys, I, I agree with Zach that I don't, fault them for taking the best player available although they lost a lot of players on defense and they are gonna they need a lot of help defensively right now but that definitely makes their offense uh even more stacked at the skill position so uh they're gonna be a fun offense to watch next year and before we go to the 18 on and picks uh looking at Austin Jackson at 18 reminded me of like a little mini rant that I could do on Roger Goodell. I mean, he was so annoying during the draft. Like every time the <laughs> fans like like pictures on Zoom or Skype or whatever they are were coming on and they're all like, yeah and he's all like, come on skull. guys. Skull. Yes. Yeah, he was skull. So I remember on Austin Jackson he was he was like, All right guys, we got good news for Tua. Good news oh, for yeah. Tua. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Uh, Clearly, they're not taking a defensive player here. (laughs) Yeah, and then, like, some of the 
fans, like, they'd have him be, like, booing him. He'd be like, oh, come on, guys. Is that all you got? Do me louder. I don't know. Dude, just that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was so annoying to watch. And then, and then like, when the Chiefs picked, he's like, all right, guys, Super Bowl champs. Oh, come on. Who's with me? I'm like, oh, dude, just shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was funny, man. I didn't have a problem with that. It was cringy, but it was one of those, like, That's the thing. dad yeah, like, type moments. It was like, kind of funny, but, I mean, it was just, and especially, like, he was doing it every single pit. Like, yeah, okay, like, yeah. maybe, like, once or twice. Oh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> but, like, okay, especially on the Miami one. They're like, good news for Tua. Good yeah, I basically gave away the pick. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, it's either an offensive lineman or receiver. Like, <laughs> So I, I just had to get a little mini rant off my chest about there because I know like Zach's got a rant plan too. So that that's my little yeah. mini rant for the Eric, evening. <laughs> if, 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 if someone else is going to do a rant, Eric has to step in for a second because that's his thing. <laughs> I, I, am, I am the rancher. Like, well, and then I... <laughs> I remember on day three of the draft too, they played a country like they had a country singer coming on and like Luke Bryan. One, yeah, Luke yeah. Bryan came yeah. on and sang a song and I'm like, okay, meanwhile, like during the whole time he sang that song, like eight draft picks came in. <laughs> and, you know, I I'd like to know who some of these people are and look at their tape, but no, I gotta listen to a song of a genre that I don't even like. Like I you know. <laughs> it went on and on too. It was like it, one of the lyrics in the song was like, I don't want the song to end or I don't want to play it again or something. Yeah, play it again. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, don't play it again. Don't play it again. Nate, I'm going to apologize here. I'm going to skip on to 18 to 27, but I'll, I'll be sure to get you talking about this next group first so you can have you, a You can talk first this time. Yeah. Um, so... I'll talk for I'll talk first here. Caleb on Chase on a twenty of the Jags. I love this pick. I mean, I didn't think he'd be available at twenty. I remember uh, I was telling Connor and, and Eric before this happened. I was like, "Come on, CD or, or Chase on," and then CD went at seventeen. And then I was like, "Okay, Chase on probably won't go." I mean, I feel like the Raiders are pretty set on defensive line, and I felt like the Miami was going to take a tackle or, or some offensive position there. So I was like, okay, he he probably will make it to 20. Let's see if the Jags are smart here and take him instead of a wider another wide receiver. Um, so I was happy with the pick. I I feel like the value for that was huge because you didn't. He's listed as not outside linebacker, but he's really uh, an edge rusher. That's kind of misleading title there. But um, another one didn't go for quite a long time. So he was chasing first, and then Simmons, he's a gadget guy all around the field. Derek Brown's the middle of the defensive line. He's the nose tackle anchor guy. And same with Kinlaw as well. But then after that, he's the next best edge rusher other than Chase Young. And they did the, they kind of did the same thing there with Henderson. So they didn't get what was the presumptive best player at that position, but they got the second best presumptive player at that position. So I thought that was a win. And of course they needed it with Ngakwe probably not being back with the team or whatnot, potentially being traded. So, uh, Another thing with him, yeah, who knows? Who knows with him? He's too big of a mystery. Um, so you're you have security there now with him and Josh Allen. That's two young defensive first round uh, picks on the on the edge rusher spot. So that's going to be really nice. And also another note about him too is he's one of the high character guys. He's another one. He actually got to wear the number 18 jersey at LSU because of that. So it, he's not going to be a drama guy. He just wants to win. I, I saw a video of him talking to Josh Allen on Instagram. They were together, and they were they were just so excited about how 
they can't wait to get to play with each other because they studied each other at college, both in the FCC, so they were familiar with each other's games. They were they were really excited to get to be teammates, and, and Chase On was, was pretty happy to be with the Jaguars, actually, too, which I think is kind of surprising considering everything going on with the team and not. But, I mean, he I saw a video of him wearing a, a Jaguar shirt even before the draft, and he did have a pretty good, I mean, I would rate it 9 out of 10 on his Duval chant as well on some of the videos he's taken. <laughs> so that means that That's means that he knows the team. Oh, no. It is. Oh, it is no. because it, it <laughs> Connor is cringing at this. But no, I mean, if, if you do it kind of weird, I mean, fans will look at you with the other with, you know, you're a different look at you. They'll look at you kind of weird. So the fact that he did that pretty spot on, I was impressed. Um, especially because he's from <laughs> Houston as well. I was I was shocked about that. I was thinking, oh, he's probably a, a Texans fan. Now he wants to get revenge on them for not getting him. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the pick there, and we'll move on. I wonder if my rant... Yeah, my rant does fall in the, the 27 here. So uh, Jefferson, oh, though, yeah. to the Vikings, everybody keeps saying that this is a win pick, but the weird thing is Jefferson is purely a slot receiver, and that's really Adam Thielen's role, so I'm not sure... That's one where the the um, the player is really good at that spot, you know. But just the way he's going to fit on that team is going to be interesting. I know you can never have too many, but just the style of receiver was kind of weird of a pick there. Um, would have been, more... been better for him if they had traded Thielen and not Diggs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but, I mean, the rest of the picks were kind of standard. New England did their standard trade, obviously. Nate will talk more about that, yeah. I'm sure, what he thinks about that. Um, but I really want to get to this rant here that I've, it's, I've been having this, I, I've, I just need to spill it out because all these, <laughs> I haven't said anything on Twitter about it, but maybe I will, um, after this episode drops. So, so, side note, I was correct on which team he was going to rant about. <laughs> yeah, you both were, you both were right. I mean, you were really correct because you guessed, uh, either the Packers or Cowboys, out of your top two choices, and I was like, it's one of those, and then and then you were like, well, I'm going to guess Packers, and then Eric did the same thing, so you were right about that. <laughs> so <laughs> the, what I'm going to rant on is just the Green Bay fan base on this pick. Um, I don't think this fan base is in tune with every how other fan bases are with quarterbacks, and I want to read. Here, here's the thing, I'll, before I go through all that. If you are at a spot in the draft where you can trade up to get the quarterback that you think is the future, you do it. You absolutely 100% do it. And even if you have an Aaron Rodgers on your team who's like 36, 35 years old, something like that, the Aaron Rodgers was in the same exact position when the Packers had Brett Favre on their team. Same exact position, and then he had to sit. I mean, obviously Jordan Love's going to sit for a year or two, but – you draft the quarterback if you really like the quarterback the Packers do they feel like they got their quarterback for the next 10 15 years Rodgers isn't playing 10 to 15 more years obviously so the fact that you do that that's a responsibility you have as a general manager to your team is not to pass up on a quarterback the amount of, the amount of times the Jaguars have passed up on quarterbacks in the first round of the draft because they thought they had one is the the list goes on and on and on and <laughs> and the the Packers obviously know they have one but he's limited there he's not going to be around there for for very long anyway so you get the guy 
you didn't have to i mean i know they traded up but they didn't have to go into the top 10 or anything like that to get him so and the fact you never pass up on a chance to get a quarterback that you think is going to be great and these packer fans are just so out of tune with everybody. Let me just read off the list of some. So they've had either Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback since 1992. Since 1992, the Packers have had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks on their team. Now let me read you some of these teams and how long it's taken them to find a replacement from their great quarterback. The last time the Dolphins had a decent quarterback was Dan Marino in the year 2000. They just took Tua this year. Hopefully he's the next next great thing. But from 2000, they still haven't now, found it. <laughs> yeah, we don't know yet. I mean, he, we don't know. But they Dan Marino, they had a he last played a game in 2000, and they have not had a quarterback since then. Jim Kelly with the Bills. I know uh, Josh Allen is, is improving and all, but. He's still not, you know, that type of level yet. Since 1996. Since 1996 was the last year he played for the Bills, and they've been needing a quarterback since then. A, a really good quarterback. For the Jets, Joe Namath, 1968. I would argue <laughs> none of the Jets quarterbacks in between 1968 and now have been, obviously none are Hall of Famers, and none have been not, perennial Not, not Neil O'Donnell? <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's another, guys. here's another older one, guys. Otto Graham, 1955 for the Cleveland Browns. Oh They've been goodness. searching for a quarterback. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns have been searching for a quarterback since Otto Graham last played in 1955. Yeah, they, they, had some good, they had some good years in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, but nobody, nobody Hall of Fame level or multiple, multiple All-Star. You know, a fringe, not a fringe Hall of Fame would be there. All right. And then I've got a lot more teams here. So we've <laughs> named a bunch. Uh, Mark Brunel for the Jaguars in 2003. They haven't had a good quarterback since then. A really, I mean, Gerard had that one good year, but that was it. Steve McNair for the Titans since 2005. They haven't, I mean, they had Vince Young and Mariota and stuff, but they were mad quarterbacks. They didn't go to many Pro Bowls or anything like that. Since 2005, Steve McNair was their last quarterback. That was good. Uh, Ken Stabler. 1979. I mean, I'm just I'm gonna what go about, through some what, of these. What about Plunkett for the Raiders? Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm making this like a a big. I'm I'm saying that the bar is higher. I'm, I mean, but then again, Plunkett wasn't that long after Stabler. Yeah, so he's only still had been a while. One really good quarterback, I would argue. Well, the Packers have been spoiled with quarterbacks, spoiled. <laughs> and they're. <laughs> I, I'm, they are the most they, they complain more than any other fan group about this draft. They're like, oh, we got I'm not even going to watch. Let me go to Twitter right now. I'll find some tweets. I'll find some tweets to read you guys that are going to make you blow your brains out with how out of tune these people are. So let me let me find this one girl here. I know she's a Packers fan. Let's let's read what she's got to say. Let's just see this. No, I wonder what speaking of Packers fans, I wonder what Natasha thinks about it. Oh yeah, that's I, I haven't seen what, what she has to think about it. Um, uh, let's see. Can't wait for the Packers to take a kicker at 94 to top up this great draft so far. <laughs> I thought that's just a running back. Um, oh my God, Larry, let me see what she says when they take Love. I bet it's gonna be good. 
I don't know. Anyone know if the Packers posted the draft call Jordan Love? Um, she was so mad. Look at this. Patrick Queen is there at 26. You waste my time, Packers. I'm done with this. Oh, my God. And that was just one person out of many Packers fans. I don't know all their ads and everything, but I just – every time I see that, I'm like, do you not know that half these teams – have not had a great quarterback in forever. I mean, we read off some of the times here. I mean, I've for Washington, Doug Williams, 1989. Uh, Frank Tarkenton for the Vikings, 1966. I put Doug Williams at Tampa. He, I think he's been their best quarterback. I know they got Brady, but they've been waiting since 1983 to have a quarterback have multiple winning seasons for them. I mean, good God, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers haven't had a quarterback with multiple winning seasons since Doug Williams in 1983. Are these Packers fans really this arrogant and this cocky? I mean, they just got another quarterback, and he might end up being the next Aaron Rodgers. Like, I just, I just hate it when people think that, oh, because we didn't get Aaron Rodgers a wide receiver, we're going to be terrible now. Like, no, you might be bad next year. You might not be as good as you were, but you're getting insurance for the next decade. I mean, I don't understand and all these people, and Jordan Love, if he ends up having a good career, I don't know if he will or won't, but if he does, all these people are going to be like, oh, we, I'm glad we took him now. Like, It just pisses me off when these Packers fans think, oh, my God. <laughs> they think Aaron, they, they think they've been so dang blessed and spoiled with having Favre and Rodgers. I'm done with it. I'm done talking about this now. Guys. <laughs> I got I to gotta stop. But it just, it just drives me crazy when they complain about this pick because – God, you know how many teams have been searching for one of these guys? And all right, I'm, I'll stop. I'll, I'll stop the deal now. I need to. I need to. <laughs> on, on, Doc's got to go on, drink some on water. On to Nate. Yeah. Yes. Nate, Nate, yes. start talking. I got to mute my microphone. Yeah. Got to take a breather there. Um, yeah, I mean, we. I don't know, cause I'm gonna say, going off of that rant, I. Not totally in disagreement here, but that was the one I was interested in talking about. I'm sure that's, you know, you guys are the same. That's probably the biggest surprise out of the whole first round for most people. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of, it's not so much I'm surprised that or upset that they took a quarterback here. Like, I can see the reason, like what Zach said. Like, if you are the Packers, you believe this guy is, like, going to um, come in and take over your franchise after Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, go for it and, um hopefully you're set up for another 10 years but the one thing i will say is that i saw a stat earlier today that 32 wide receivers were selected in the draft and the packers didn't take a single one of them which in hindsight makes this pick look a little bit worse in my viewpoint just like not that they should have because at that pick like you know you see this draft order like rugs um judy um lamb ayuk all those guys are already gone, Rieger, Jefferson. So, like, you're not picking a top-tier guy, but you could have tried to make a play for somebody in round two, you know. Um, maybe trade up for someone like Chenault. Um, There's still some talents there. But, yeah, for me, like, that pick was still just kind of questionable, especially with how um, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, personality-wise. He's not a very, um, I don't think, friendly guy. Um you know, I don't think he's gonna take too well to this. Um, I'm not one for locks, but I'm I'm considering locking that Aaron Rodgers won't be on the Packers um, come this time next year. I think 
we're gonna. I think we're gonna have some interesting drama this Whoa. off season with. Better grow up then, because <laughs> he was in the same I, damn spot with Brett Favre. I mean, I know uh, it pisses, he pisses me off too. I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm, not, a <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Rodgers fan. Believe me, but I mean, you saw how the situation, same similar situation with Brady too. How you know his relationship with Belichick apparently was like. I mean, we don't know this all for sure, but the reports were that it kind of fractured after the whole Jimmy Garoppolo um, trade deal when, you know, it was kind of evident that Belichick wanted to build around Jimmy G and Brady obviously figured, hey, I got six more years left. Why don't you hold on to me? And um, I think a similar thing is going to happen with Rodgers here. I think we're going to have some pretty interesting drama the next few months, see what happens in training camp. Um but I think either he's going to supplant Rodgers, which I don't think is totally likely, but I could, I could see Rodgers asking for a trade or leaving in free agency for sure. Um, and then the other, inter- that was kind of falling off of Zach's rant there, but the other interesting pick, which um, for me as a Pats fan especially, was how they traded out of the 23rd pick and went down to the second round to get um, Duggar out of, Lenore Ryan, that was, I'm sure, a big shock for everybody <laughs> here, especially for me as a... Um, Where even is that was, college? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I looked it up. Uh, I've definitely heard of it before. Um, it's a D2 I'll, I'll search it. Yeah, I know it's like, I want to say like Pennsylvania or somewhere kind of close to there. North Carolina. North Carolina, oh, okay. Oh, really? I, like, yeah. Wow. It's, it's a small school, like, you know, type of... Um, um, it's from North I Carolina. I've even heard of it. But it must be. <laughs> yeah, it's the type of school where like they got the bleachers and you watch this tape and there's like people like just chilling out behind the end zone. Twenty-seven like, hundred students. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that type of wow. that type of school. And and I watched his highlights and he does, you know, he did ball out in that level. <laughs> but it's it's worrying. Just like I don't know. That's a very interesting pick. I think. I'm personally like really interested to see how he does because I think the athleticism is there. I think he's going to come in year one and make a big impact on special teams. Um, I think he can step in and be the part returner, which the Pats have needed. Um, they've had Edelman doing it, but he's just too valuable and too, um, I won't say fragile, but you know he's getting older. You don't want to have him get hurt on a dumb punt <laughs> return when he's your best wide receiver. So I think I think this guy definitely comes in and fills a huge need. But I don't know that picking him um, with your first pick in the draft is, um, I guess it's just a risky move, especially when there's guys like Murray. Um, you know, we talked about this before the draft. I would like to have him take one of those linebackers. Um, or, uh, you know, obviously receiver is kind of the big thing that people like to say about the Pats. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about the pick. I'm a little bit nervous because I could definitely see them going the uh, Obi Melon Fonwu route you know, kind of combine freak safety who doesn't pan out in the league. Uh, we saw him just get released actually by the Pats earlier to make room for this guy. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. It's definitely one to watch to see if he can make the jump from D2 to the six-time, you know, <laughs> Super Bowl champs. <laughs> All right, uh, Eric, what do you what do you think about the whole love situation with Green Bay and Maybe uh, talk about Chase on a little bit too. Yeah, well, for for Chase on, I'm very excited about him because I was obviously in the same boat as you that I didn't. I thought for sure that he was going to be gone by the time we picked, 
And then at that point, I wasn't really sure what were we going to do. Like, were we going to take one of these middle tier linemen or middle tier wide receivers? And which would have been okay, but I think instead the Jaguars scored, you know, one of the more elite prospects, you know, at their positions that was available. And it fills a big need for us at the same time. So I, I am totally on board with this pick. And as for Jordan Love, it's tough to say because while he, or while Aaron Rodgers was in the same position and, you know, where he fell down the draft and everything, and then Green Bay ended up picking him, it was a little more, this situation is a little more different though, because Aaron Rodgers was projected to be a top prospect in the year he got drafted. So the fact that he fell all the way down into the 20s was a huge shocker. I remember, I actually remember that draft and they kept showing him like every two seconds, like, oh, maybe this will be the team that picks him. Well, maybe this will be the team that picks him. And like, and it just kept going and, and then he finally got picked. But whereas Jordan Love, I mean, it was kind of a wild card on where he was going to go, but he wasn't projected to be up there with, you know, Burrow and Tua and Herbert. So it wasn't as big of a surprise that he fell. So I can see why Packers fans would be upset in terms of the winning now mentality. You know, if, if you're, you know, if you're looking at it, if you're a Packers fan and you're wanting to go into the season with the mentality of winning right now, then I could see the frustration with the pick, but I've always been more of a long-term down the road, looking down the road guy when I value prospects and stuff like that. So I'm in agreement with Zach that, you know, if the Packers think that this guy could be the future, then it was obviously the smart move to go get him. I'd, I haven't seen much of Jordan Love play with him being from Utah State, but from the little bit that I've seen about him and from what I've read about him, I don't know if he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but if Green Bay sees it in him and they believe in him, then they absolutely should have made this pick. And to make it a little more lighthearted after Zach's rant, I'm going to do a super <laughs> cheesy joke here. And at pick 31, I'm just going to say... Cheesy Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that Jeff Gladney is glad that he got drafted in the first round. If anybody was still feeling a little, you know, you know, uh, tense, serious <laughs> and tense after Zach's rant, hopefully that'll... Uh, yeah, that was that was terrible. But uh <laughs> well, don't worry, don't worry. I have a, like I have a, I have a, to join in on the party. I have a little mini rant at the end of when we're done talking about the picks that I'm going to do. But all right. Yeah. All right. I'll be looking forward but, to that. So. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel I feel like 27 to 32 isn't exact significant, so we don't need to talk about them, yeah. but I get give us your opinion on love and then you can give your mini rant. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I will say about with Jordan Love, at least for the Packers sake, is that if I was the Packers fans, honestly, I would be other than maybe other than Burrow, because Burrow is like, you know, supposed, you know, predicted to be awesome and, you know, had this great season and blah, blah, blah. Other than Burrow, but comparing him to Tua and Herbert, I would actually be more optimistic as a fan of the Packers about Jordan Love playing out in the long term, because the fact that. You know, obviously, like you said, he's not going to start right away. They've got Aaron Rodgers. The fact that he's going to get 
those one or two seasons playing underneath a potential Hall of Fame quarterback, the experience that you get, like just from these quarterbacks, I mean, because they always talk about, you know, bringing in mentor quarterbacks for these you know, young quarterbacks, but they're really just like washed up old has been quarterbacks that they're like, oh, well, they're going to be like a mentor. It's like, well, they're mm-hmm. not really. What I, are they gonna I, agree. Teach? What are they, I agree. Yeah, it's like, what, it's like, what are they going to teach them? These guys were never very good anyway. They're just old. So the fact that he's going to, you know, get experience playing behind a potential Hall of Fame quarterback is invaluable. Whereas, you know, Tua, maybe not Herbert right away because, you know, the Chargers have said that they're committed to Tyrod, but. You know, the Browns said that, too, we'll with see, him we'll and Mayfield, <laughs> so we'll see how long that lasts. But um, Dang, is Tyrod you know, Taylor going to get Tyrod Taylored again? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know, the Bills didn't do that to him. But, no, um, the Browns did. But like, yes, yeah, they did. But with Burrow and Tua and Herbert, like, they're all going to get thrown in there right away, which in some ways, you know, is not good for them because they're not – it's just like, go, perform. And if they don't perform, it sucks. But – Love's going to get the experience playing behind Rodgers. So like that's why if I'm a Packers fan, I'd be more optimistic about Jordan Love, even if he's not, you know, he can grow into something better by playing underneath Rodgers. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, I don't understand all the frustration. I mean, I do get being a little frustrated about trading up because the three teams ahead of them were obviously not going to take a quarterback. Like the Seahawks have Russell Wilson, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson and the Titans you know, they have um, they have Brian Tannehill, which he's not a superstar, but they just gave him a big contract, so they're not going to take a quarterback. So I do see the frustration on that side of it because, again, like I said, they weren't going to take a quarterback, and maybe someone was going to trade up back into the first round, but I didn't see that as likely because, you know, there was all the talk that, oh, maybe the Patriots will take Jordan Love, like, you know, that they were going to trade back in. But Belichick went on record and said they weren't going after Love, so... Um, but yeah, that's my thought on love that I would be optimistic if I was a Packers fan. I mean, it worked out for Rogers. Obviously Rogers was a better prospect, but you know, he got the one or two seasons playing under Brett Favre and look at him now. So, (laughs) Hmm. um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. But yeah, as for my little mini rant about this to join in, I have to rant on, you know, the TV stations were how many freaking commercials they were doing during the draft. Like, it seems like this doesn't happen when they do the live draft. Like, they'll they'll do maybe five, six, or seven picks and then go to commercial. This time, it was like they do two picks and go to commercial. Like, every single time. Yeah. Be to, and, espe- and especially, like, in the first round, it's not as bad because teams are usually taking longer in the first round, so you're not going to get the pick anyway. But especially on day two with, you know, the second and third round, those picks are coming in really fast. Like, they'll make the pick, and then two minutes later, the pick is in again. But then they'll go to commercial, so that we're just sitting here waiting when, like, you know, obviously their pick is in, and the next team's already on the clock, and they've already probably made their pick. But, you know, we're not announcing them because we're on a commercial here. And the other thing about that that was so bad was the fact that, obviously, Zach and Eric were discussing this about how it seemed like whenever the Jaguars were up, they'd always go to commercial before the Jaguars pick. But I thought it was like the worst offense when you had the teams that didn't have a first round pick, like the Steelers or the Bills. And I noticed this when I was watching the draft, I was like, all right, it's time for the Steelers pick. Like we finally get a draft pick. We, you know, you know, 40 some picks into the draft 
or maybe 50 some, I can't remember exactly the number, you know, we finally have a pick and I'm all excited for it. And then commercial, it's like, what? Like, why couldn't you do that before the dolphins pick? They've already had like three picks, you know, we haven't <laughs> had a pick yet and you're going to go to commercial right before our pick. Like, that's why. And then, you know, obviously, like you said, with Roger Goodell, he's like, Oh, come on, Steelers fans. You got a pick. Let's go. But then, you know, and then the same thing for the Bills fans. Like, they, they did it to the Bills, too. The Bills hadn't had a pick all draft. And, you know, they're at spot, like, 51 or whatever. And then commercial. It's like, you know, I get you want to make money and everything, and commercials are a part of TV, but it just seemed a little bit too excessive this year than yeah. it was in past years. I, I definitely I'm, agree with that. It, like. Yeah, it's, it just kind of it just because like it just kind of ruined the whole experience. Like even like on my birthday, you know, obviously again, like I said, I get the first round takes longer, but it just felt like you know I'm not even watching the draft. Like if I really wanted to, you know, follow the draft, I feel like I'd have a more a better time just kind of following it on my phone and like playing on my PlayStation than watching it on TV and watching five thousand commercials. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that, but. I mean, as, as far as the commercial before the pick, I mean, like I told you in the group chat, like I'm just used to it now as a Jags fan. I can't remember. I mean, unless they had pick Seriously, number dude. one, I think would be the only case that they wouldn't have a commercial before the pick. And even then, they would do like national anthem, uh, commercial, and then just right away we go with the pick. Yeah, I think <laughs> they'd probably do that. Um, but um, I will say with this draft, because it was the the whole online thing and because it was so delayed with the commercials, you really had to be careful about Twitter if you didn't want to get spoiled. I don't know oh, how yeah. many oh, people do this. I had to mute like five accounts because I saw one instance where like they were like T Higgins has been selected as the first pick in the second round, and it on the TV and and my TV isn't that slow here compared to the normal TV. Uh, an average person, I think, is pretty average. Um, we I had they weren't even like hardly on the clock yet. Uh, it was. It didn't even say pick is in, and it are people already knew T Higgins was out. Oh, so yeah. you had to be really careful. <laughs> yeah, no, you had. To, I, I, I was just on there a little bit because I think surely they're not gonna have a pick in yet. And sure enough, somebody did. I was like, I'm gonna mute you. So I had to mute like five accounts. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, if Eric or uh, Nate did the same thing or not. But no, Twitter I, I just like, stayed off my phone. Like, yeah, I just had like our messenger group chat up. I didn't. I don't yeah. have many, like, notifications on Twitter for, like, when people tweet. So, like, I was able to avoid that stuff, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess this is going to wrap this up, guys. Uh, we had a good good recap of the first round of the draft and some some uh, analysis for other picks as well. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. say one more thing really quickly, too. I mentioned at the start for I'm really happy. Did what, well, I have a question for you, Zach. I didn't see. Did that USF guy get drafted, Mitchell Wilcox? No, did he, he didn't. Drafted? Actually, uh, I don't. Okay. I'm sure he might have signed, but yeah, he didn't. USF had zero. He got picked up by either oh, the Browns or Cleveland. I saw that. I mean, by uh, Browns or Bengals. <laughs> the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> I one of the Orange okay. Ohio teams. <laughs> well, that's good because the Browns have like ten tight ends, so he wouldn't have made that team. But the Bengals, he, he might. He joined play. the Bengals. Bengals yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I, I will say I was super happy for. Obviously, you know, like I said App State had zero draft picks last year and like the year before we had one but it was like a sixth round pick and i had no idea who the guy was so i was really happy for darrington evans got drafted by the titans in the third round i think he'll be a great fit on that team and also 
this was a bit more upsetting to me that uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, first of all, that he fell to the fourth round. He was projected to be like a top third round pick and he fell all the way to the fourth because I did a little mini rant about this on Twitter, too, that like, you know, the reason why he was falling is that all these lower ranked linebackers were getting picked over him because they went to, you know, big name schools, whereas even though he was a higher rated linebacker, they were passing on him because he went to App State. So that was a little frustrating. But then, you know, obviously I'm happy that he got drafted, but he unfortunately got drafted by the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. Yeah, you can't so root like, for him. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Like, if you had to, like, you know, the Ravens and the Bengals, like, you know, those two teams, is like, I really don't want you to get drafted by them, but he got drafted by the Bengals. It's like, <sighs> so... That's like oh, well, uh, but... <laughs> that's like me with uh, Marlon Mack because he went he went to USF also. Oh yeah, that's right. And he's, he's on, on the Colts the now, and yeah. and he's their main guy. I mean, I don't know what Taylor will do for him. He might jump him, but still, I, it pains me every time I watch the Colts and Marlon Mack. Uh, you're kind of like you're kind of like whoa, uh, oh wait, no. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, all, all, all I'll say for Gaither is that he can make all the sacks he wants, but I better not see him sacking Roethlisberger anytime next season. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll get a little upset. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. All right, guys, I'll wrap this one up. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Thank you all for listening and watching however you did. So hopefully uh, hopefully the, the mood has been calmed a little bit since my man, I haven't gotten that worked up in a while. So um <laughs> Thanks, thanks for uh, sticking through with that, and uh, make sure to catch us next week. And remember, be clutch. Bye. See ya. Peace.